Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. If you're friends with passionate product people, then why don't you do them a favour and pass them the link to this episode, either before or after you listen to it, so they can queue it up to and be inspired themselves. As my mum used to say, sharing really is caring. On tonight's episode, we talk about the dark depths of hustle culture and follow my guest on a journey from the capital of Ukraine through Berlin, out to Silicon Valley, and now into upstate New York. We'll talk about some of the lessons she learned founding a startup and working so hard that she completely burned out, why that's turned her against the concept of hustle culture, how she's trying to build her new business sustainably, and how she's trying to stop others making the same mistake. We'll also talk about her new community where she's aiming to put an end to the concept of resumes and CVs and just letting people build stuff together instead. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Polina Marchenko. Polina is a self-described geekette at heart, passionate about education, community building and building habit-forming products. A blogger, mentor, networker and serial startup founder who moved to Silicon Valley via Berlin and more recently to upstate New York where she's currently combining three simultaneous startups with being a mum and a qualified Zumba trainer. Absolutely hates indecisiveness and laziness. I have to say me too, but I can't quite be bothered to make up my mind about which I hate more. Hi Polina, how are you tonight? Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for such a warm introduction. I'm pretty well, really excited to be here, finally. Yes. Thank you for having me. Just for our listeners' benefit, this has been, a, this has been an interview that's been long in, the, long in the making, so good to get it over the line. So first things first, you've recently moved from Silicon Valley to upstate New York. Now that feels like it could be a bit of a change of pace. Is, is that fair to say? Has it been a bit of a change? Well, honestly speaking, we have moved from Silicon Valley already last year, just before the pandemic hit. And we're just slowing down, slowing down, and even more slowing down. <laughs> Definitely change of pace because, I mean, now we suddenly find ourselves in a very small town in upstate New York. We have a, around, I think, 2,000 citizens here. So it's a huge, huge change for me because originally I come from a capital of Ukraine. It is about 3 million people. I lived in Berlin for 10 years, 3.5 million people. So Silicon Valley was much smaller than that, but still with all the infrastructure, all the drive. So I think pandemic make us slow down quite a bit. Now that doesn't sound like a town that's got like its own product community already or like a product tank or anything like that. So given your interest in community building, is that like the, one of the first things on your list is to start the product community in your, in your local town? Ah, this is an interesting question. Actually, I didn't think about this anymore, like, you know, location binded, because uh, over the past year, I was working and creating communities all globally, you know, so that's why given the privilege that both myself and my husband can work remotely, it's been great. So now we're in a small town, still I'm connected to all the people that I want to be connected to all the product leaders, entrepreneurs aspiring product managers and so on and so forth and my location is not a limit anymore and what about the zumba as well like is it time to start up another startup in your <laughs> local town and bring dancer size to the masses when the uh, lockdown restrictions are eased oh i wish you know i wish i also do more uh, zumba for myself because once again all this 
local restrictions and inability to come together in groups or come together in groups only with limitations has been like very challenging, especially in this type of activity. So this is probably something on my list, but I'm also very pregnant at the moment. So I cannot do this fun stuff at the moment anymore. But hopefully in the next half a year, uh, we'll see that it will also change to the positive. Fingers crossed. So before we go deep into your startups, let's go back in time and meet you as a as a younger woman. You've just moved from Ukraine to Berlin. You've gotten your MSc in entrepreneurship and marketing. Although actually that's interesting in its own because you've obviously studied this stuff from a, a fairly early age. You've you've obviously taken this through education and have a real passion for entrepreneurship, startups and the like. Where do you think that came from? I always ask myself this question and I'm not 100% sure. I think it, it was just my genuine curiosity about how the things work and it just led me naturally to where I I came. You know, I, I would say that I started my career in a startup accelerator program in Berlin and how I came there, you know, I was still a student, but I was very curious about how, how companies are built how entrepreneurs work together and all this stuff. So I selected for myself, self-selected into entrepreneurship program, which honestly speaking, I was like very disappointed because our professor was only preaching theory of entrepreneurship. He's <laughs> never done anything practical, but I couldn't know. So I was looking for myself different avenues of how actually to learn uh, practical skills and how to learn from real entrepreneurs. And it just like grew as a snowball. I just couldn't have enough, you know. So I started with that program. I was very curious, first working with entrepreneurs and observing them more or less. Then started working as a product manager in a startup, still observing entrepreneurs as product leaders and uh, founders and so on and so forth. And just in a year, I made the leap into becoming an entrepreneur myself. So just natural curiosity, still have it, you know. <laughs> Always learning. But it's interesting, though, because you just touched on it yourself. You had this product management position, I think, at a company called Miripodo, which I think is a shoe shop or shoe store or something like that. So coming to that with your interest in entrepreneurship and your eager keenness to learn, did it feel weird then working as a junior product manager for for a startup or for a small company? Or do you feel that that was a really necessary step for you to start to build some of those hard skills up? I would say both. It definitely felt weird because, you know, I got my position, I would say, I think it was 2000, around 2010, maybe 2011. And back then, product management was not so clearly defined. So when I I got an offer, I just, you know, read the description that I'll be working with innovative products. And this is what hooked me. So otherwise, I didn't know anything. I have never worked with designers or developers before. So it was all <laughs> all new experience. That's why it was definitely weird. In terms of if it was weird for the fact that I was working for someone, I was not an entrepreneur myself. I think back then I even didn't realize that I was ready to do this step. And the fun fact was that my husband actually was always telling me, hey, he wants to start a company as soon as possible. He wants to work for himself, but he was also still a student. And I was telling him all the time, it's too early. You should to get experience. You're not experienced yet. So do it first. And then I did completely the opposite, you know. 
But do you feel that that gave you a real edge then, though, when you did start to move into your own stuff, like the fact that you've built things for other people and you've built some of those hard skills and started to understand how hard it can be or some of the things that you have to concentrate on? Probably, yes. Yeah, I, I would be probably uh, not 100% honest if I say no, it did, didn't give me anything. <laughs> but still, starting a new company from scratch with people you basically do not know and jump into the idea that it's literally just an idea. There was no proof of concept or anything. felt like very, very different. But at the same time, of course, like working as a PM, I, you know, firsthand learned what does it mean actually to work with a developer and how challenging it is. So I think this learning helped me a little bit, you know, to, you know, to work with my future co-founder, who's a technical co-founder, and try to find common ground with him also. Yeah, so it wasn't too long after that you branched out and actually did start up your own thing, which I think was called Captain Cook. I think that was an e-commerce type affair, is that fair to say? How was that experience for you starting it up yourself? I would say it was experience of my life. Still, uh, I, I feel I still feel how it defines my life even today. The way I think, the way I approach the things. There are many things that I learned that I actually wanted to unlearn. And there were many things who actually brought me where I am today. Starting it was very cool. Very, you know, I completely had, you know, pink glasses. <laughs> it was a very fun experience. I was very naive. I thought we'll conquer the world uh, within six months. It turned different. I mean, I was working in that startup for three and a half years until I got, I would say, severe burnout, which back then I even didn't know exists. Something like the term of it I have never heard before. And I think I realized I had it probably a year after it. You know, so it was a great experience all in all. I learned a bunch of things. I challenged my th- myself in so many ways. and. I left it all. And by the way, the startup got acquired recently, which is a huge milestone. So I finally had my exit. (laughs) And uh, it feels great because now it's official, you know. So now I'm officially a co-founder who exited the company. So sounds great, no? But it was a great experience. The only thing after I decided that it's time for me to move on, I thought I would never start another company again. I was so, so burned out. And I was so afraid and so I was doubting myself so much, you know. But once again, the realization that this all learnings were necessary and helpful for my future came just a couple of years after. Yeah, and we'll come to your other startups in a minute. But do you feel that being in that position and burning out as you did and having that fairly negative experience at the time and obviously reflecting back on that, Do you think that taught you then coping skills so that your next round of entrepreneurship was something that you approached in a different way? Or was it just that you were more experienced generally the second time around and and that you could kind of cope with things a little better? Yeah, this is a great question. And honestly, I needed a lot of reflection. I needed so much reflection that I didn't know that I would need so much. So it basically took me years to realize uh, what happened, why it happened, what I didn't do right, what went well, why, and all these questions. And now I have a completely different approach to startups and to entrepreneurship and how do I see myself also as a founder completely changed. So I would say like 180 degrees, uh, it's completely different. Once again, maybe in two or three years, I would be 
saying exactly the same, you know, and saying like, hey, it's changed again, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I think it's, you know, if you if you cannot say, wow, I was so dumb back then, it's basically you didn't learn anything, you know, you should be always learning. And I feel now I'm in this resourceful state when I, I realized how much I learned and now how I want to approach the things differently. But after that, it was off to San Francisco, to the home of technology and all the big tech companies. So I don't need to ask why someone would want to go out there if they had this entrepreneurial spirit and they had this desire to work with startups and big tech companies. But it's still a big move. And I understand that you, when you first landed, ended up in a hacker house with like 14 different people living with you. Now that sounds intense, but I guess in Silicon Valley also was a real hot pot of ideas and innovation. And some of those ideas I'm sure were good. Some of those ideas were maybe not so good. But how was that as, a, as an experience? Did you find that quite intense in and as of itself? Yeah, first of all, I have to say that the move from Berlin to San Francisco at that time was a little bit forced. We didn't plan so much to make this drastic move that year. But the you know stars aligned this way. So basically, uh, um, just to give you a little bit of a preview, uh, my husband won a green card, but it was already ten years ago, and we were not not making that move for five years. And the situation that happened back then was that I didn't visit him. He was living already in the U.S. in in Utah. He was doing his uh, coding bootcamp, so he was also leveling up and so on. And I didn't visit him for eight months because of the startup in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And finally, when I did visit him, I was planning to visit him for two weeks. The border officer told me that I have a problem because I am a green card holder and I'm supposed to be in the country at least every six months. I didn't do it. So if I am planning to go back to Berlin in two weeks, next time when I try to come back to the US, I'll probably go to the court. Uh So... (laughs) And you can imagine, so basically, this was a combination of things. I was already burned out from my startup. Then this thing happened, which I had really to make a tough decision. Okay, can I do it to our family that uh, I'm putting it at risk that I cannot come back to the US where my husband is and stay in Europe, or I actually make the move. And after talking to lawyers, we decided that we have to make a move and basically I came with one uh, luggage case and I stayed for several months in the hacker house with my husband. (laughs) So it was quite an adventure, but I think we learned a lot. And just seeing other people who are hustling and trying to to get the foot into the door, talking to investors, trying to pitch their ideas. I mean, in the moment when I was very burned out and I actually didn't know what to do, it was extra challenge. But it was a great experience. I'm glad we had it. And honestly, I don't want to have it again. (laughs) It was a one-time opportunity and it's fine like this. Yeah, I mean, I guess in in a way it kind of feels like, based on what you just said, that it was almost like rubbing your face in it a little bit. You know, you've moved over there, as you say, you've just come out of, of the experience that you had and then you see all these other people just doing exactly the same thing or trying to do exactly the same thing. And obviously the term hustle these days has in some quarters, a kind of negative connotation as well. Like it's almost seen as a toxic culture of, of people just trying to just do everything. And do you feel that certainly now, for example, you've started up new things and whenever people start up new things, there's always this kind of, oh yeah, you've got to hustle. Like, do you feel that you're hustling now or do you feel that you've developed a different approach? 
Uh, yeah, this is actually a topic very dear to my heart because I am now anti-hustle movement. <laughs> you know, so I I don't believe in working eighty ninety hours per week and being productive and actually what's more important being happy and satisfied with your life. So once again, I've been there. I know how it feels. Uh, it might work well for a couple of months, but it's definitely not sustainable. And once again, many things have changed in my life. I became a mother and I'm expecting a second child. So once again, when I decided that I want to do it again, I wanted to do it completely different, you know, to have still peace of my mind, to have a time to spend with my daughter, to have time for myself, you know, to have time to reflect and so on and so forth. And so far, maybe I'm not go- going as fast as I was going back then. But once again, reflecting, I'm I'm thinking like, did it, did we even need it, you know, like to go that fast and to burn that much? Or it is actually more of a sustainable approach to building a sustainable business. Yeah, it's a really interesting point around like how fast is too fast in a way, right? But I guess it is still such a cliche, certainly when you look at some of the Silicon Valley companies and all these companies that are just like going massive overnight and all these people going online saying about their routines and how they've, yeah, like you say, working 18 hours a day and to get up at five o'clock every morning and run a half marathon and then, you know, come home, eat 500 eggs and then read 15 books and then doing like hours and hours of investment and developing stuff. And it's just, yeah. I mean, maybe it's because I'm getting on a bit, but it, it feels like that would be a bit of a struggle. Sorry, I just wanted to add that I, I still have friends like this. I still have friends who are hustling all the time and i'm trying like basically to you know to slow them down to also through sharing my experience through sharing my routines through sharing you know how i feel doing this because very often i i, I hear from them it's like oh my god i'm, I'm so tired I, I don't want it anymore but i have to and all this stuff but once again I, I think this is one thing that you cannot probably teach someone else how to do it's basically you have to either experience it through you know the way i experienced it or you have to be so conscious and so self-aware that you will feel the steeping point after which you will say, okay, now it's enough. Now I will approach things differently. Now, once again, so there are definitely many success stories that come out of hustling. At the same time, I do believe that there is a, another opportunity to be successful. Well, there's a certain level of survivorship bias as well, right? So the, you're only really hearing about the successful people that actually did it and not necessarily worrying about all of the other people that fell by the wayside do you think it's something that it's actually possible to break through with people and actually explain it to them and show them the stories and kind of get them to change their mind or do you think they basically have to kind of snap on their own before they actually really feel it yeah maybe i'm not persuasive enough but once again from my <laughs> from my experience it is you, you cannot you i mean i was not able to teach any of my friends that they could, they have an opportunity to approach it differently. They still keep hustling, you know. They're, they're complaining big time, but they keep hustling. They're complaining again, and they still do the same mistakes, do the same stuff. Once again, so some of them actually succeeded very, very well in the past years. They're much more successful than I am. But once again, in terms of the business, and I think in my life, what was very important, there was one book that I was reading actually during my move from Berlin to 
to San Francisco when I was thinking about all the opportunities and so on. It was the book, it's called Black Hole Focus. And it's basically helped me realize, okay, what do I actually want beyond my business? So business, I mean, I cannot define myself just by my business. And this is what I was doing for years. So what do I actually want? Like, how do I want to approach my life? How do I want to design my life? How do I want to feel? And this is basically what I'm trying also to propagate now and share with others that business is not everything. So, but once again, I think to some extent you have to learn from from your mistakes. In this case, it's very, very difficult to learn from mistakes of others. Yeah, I mean, I guess just listening to other people's stories isn't quite as visceral. You don't feel it in your bones as much as you as you could. It just sounds like something that, oh, that's never going to happen to me. Exactly. Just like everything else that always happens to people in the end. But you mentioned a couple of times about like how you've got some people that you know that have been very successful. So, for example, if we think back to your hacker house, were there any like big, big name stars that have gone on to unicorn status there, or uh, have they all kind of burned out already? <laughs> as far as you know, not from that cohort. I would not say that they just burned out. I think many of those people were international entrepreneurs who had a very naive idea that they will come to Silicon Valley for three or four months and they will raise money. And, you know, (laughs) in 99.9% of cases, it just doesn't work like this. And once again, so when I was working with Captain Cook, I was also that naive. And I also went through this, you know, also a couple of years before. It wasn't my first time visiting Silicon Valley. Yeah, it just doesn't work like this. So although back then we were able to raise, uh, like we were accepted into the Silicon Valley Accelerator Program, but once again, it was not the sum of money that actually was decisive for our success in the long term. So let's talk about your later startups. Now, I'm aware that this situation may have changed now, which will be an interesting thing to talk about. But I understand that we had uh, She Aspired, which was aiming to fast track women into product management. We had Futurista, which was aiming to inspire teenage girls into STEM careers and side project which is aiming to connect professionals who want to build projects together. So these are all obviously playing in a fairly similar space, or they have been playing in a similar space. They're all different angles on a on the same problem, which is trying to help people get into product or to into tech or being entrepreneurs and, and building things. Why do you think you've been so passionate about paying it forward into that area? Is that something that is a real passion for you? Yeah, I, I could definitely say so. I mean, you know, generally, I would say I'm just passionate about community. I'm passionate about community building. I'm passionate about connecting people and providing them more opportunities through those networks. It could be like micro networks. It doesn't have to be like always global. It could be just literally connecting two people who live uh, across the street, you know, but they just do not know about each other. And I think I, I'm just that passionate about having the community around me because I I realized the power of it. I realized how helpful it could be because I was moving so much in my life. You know, so I moved to Berlin, then I moved within Berlin, then I moved to Silicon Valley, then I moved to Oregon. Now I moved to New York. So I basically, I guess from one perspective, I created this muscle of a, kind of being more adaptive. From another perspective, I, I, I was very often very lonely. And being lonely is not a great starting point for somebody to become successful or, you know, in the the matter of success, how I define it is basically not just successful in business, but literally happy with your life. So this was the main trigger. 
I realized that without the community, I really feel lost. I have nobody to share my learnings, my struggles with. I have nobody to also help guide me. And with the community, I'm, you know, I'm myself on steroids, basically. So that's why I decided that I, I want to provide this opportunity also for other people. And this is how all of this started. Yeah, that's great. And obviously, really, it's a really inspirational story as well. You know, it's really good to to be able to to bring people along and maybe help them in ways that you weren't getting helped when you were making that journey. So before we speak about where these are today, what were some of the successes that you had with those three projects uh, from the point where you started them uh, to the present day? Yeah, definitely. So once again, so I started them all during the COVID year, (laughs) you know, last year. And it was after I decided that I basically, we want to move to Oregon. And that's why I'll be quitting my product management job uh, in San Francisco. And I I took three months off, so I didn't jump into any of this adventures immediately. I literally tried to think and to dig deeper in myself, what do I actually want to do? And once again, I came up with the vision that I actually want to help people. And there are different ways to help connect people, and that's why there were three different ideas. They They also didn't start all simultaneously. It was <laughs> kind of like one coming after another because I was meeting new people, getting more inspiration. And last year, it was also my intention to, honestly, to defocus. So I wanted to explore. I wanted to find out what works, what doesn't work. And in the first place, you know, a little bit egoistically, I was trying to find out what works for me. You know, not only like to others, but it's important also to find out what actually works and inspires me, what I can be working on for a long time. And these three ideas came out. I think one of the most amazing things, which, you know, when I look back now on Futurista, for example, so we're, I will correct you a little bit, we're not just helping teen girls to get into STEM with a platform, we're trying to show them different opportunities. Because very often, teenagers, but also adults alike, we're stuck in our own social circles. And this is basically how our career steps are defined. So we decided that it actually makes sense. And we tested it all also with uh, different teen girls, ask them if it really makes sense to open up this perspective. So if your father is a teacher, your mother is a doctor, is it the only options that you have or we are able to show you other opportunities and so on and so forth. So I think the learning with that was, first of all, it was amazing because I was able to work with all of my friends and it was the first time in my life and I, I considered it a huge achievement. So I basically gathered the team from from around the globe, from Berlin, San Francisco, New York, but consisted all of the women I used to work before in my life, starting from this long, long time ago in Accelerator in Berlin. You know, so it was an amazing experience because I firsthand realized how how different it might be to work with people you actually know <laughs> and how empowering it is and how far you can come. And I think the main learning from that was there are some ideas who can you, you can pursue as a side project, and this is how I saw it, and this is how we basically started it. And there are some ideas which are just in their scope. They're way beyond side project. So that's why after a year, we realized that we have learned a lot. We have launched the podcast for teen girls. We have created ambassador program for them. 
But we realized that if we want to actually bring it to some next level, we need to spend much more time than we were spending. And we were literally spending just a couple of hours per week. And at some point, it was once again draining for everyone because everyone felt a sense that we're not investing enough, but nobody could invest more. So that's why, once again, because I started a couple of things before, you know, also in form of side projects. For me, it was pretty clear that, you know, there are some things where you have the sense of, hey, you have to persevere. And there are some things where you have to have a clear cut. And in this case, it was uh, the second option. And I'm not regretting. I think it was the right idea. And maybe at some point, we'll get back to it in a different form. So again, do you feel that you identified some early warning signals from your previous experience that made you think sooner than maybe you would have done if you hadn't had those warning signals that maybe you would only be able to do the Futurista stuff if you put significantly more time into it. And, and that was what then, yeah, those early warning signals kind of tripped a flag and you decided at that point. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think basically what I mentioned in terms of, okay, you know, you're feeling this urge to invest more and more time and then you're getting again and again, very uncomfortable with yourself. You're getting unhappy with yourself. You're starting to judge yourself. So this whole feelings, like the spectrum of feelings is definitely very, very draining. And this is something that after my first experience, I decided I just don't want to have as a part of my life. Yeah. You know, I cannot say that, hey, now the purpose of my life is to be comfortable all the time. You know, this is also not the case. I mean, I'm always going out, out of my comfort zone regularly. But at the same time, that type of uncomfort, you know, that where you're literally like beaching yourself for not having enough time and you don't know where to get this time and that's why you're blaming all your you know like unsuccesses on this lack of time i think it was uh, one of the major learnings so controlled discomfort is the the story there you want to make sure you're in control of your discomfort so is that the same story then behind she aspired as well like exactly the same and everything now is focusing on side project as the main project yeah well the story behind she Aspires was a little bit different. So basically, it was a program for aspiring product managers, women product managers that we wanted to help. We had a couple of cohorts. Then my partner wanted to take time for herself. She had a little bit of a burnout, if you can say it. And we just lost the momentum, basically, with that endeavor. And we lost the momentum. And after she was back and we tried to find the momentum again, we started to dig deeper into why we're doing the program, what went well, and realized that probably it was not like super solid idea yet. And we have to restructure many things to, to make it once again as great as we think, because MVP, you know, worked well, but what's next? So and once again, I think in this case, we just didn't find our momentum again. And once again, it's good like this. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that we were honest with each other and just decided that it's not the right time. It's not the right state of mind to continue doing it. So now you're down to one project, which is called Side Project. <laughs> uh, how's that going at the moment? Is that gaining momentum? Are you having some early successes with that? Absolutely. I mean, Side Project is so dear to my heart, so I cannot, I cannot even explain, you know. So it, it's just something where... Not only other people are empowered to learn every day and once again feel forward because we're basically helping people unleash their potential. 
because they are all willing to transition into tech. It doesn't matter which role, engineering, design, or product management. Most of them, like the only experience they have is from books or from online courses. So they have never done something practical before. That's why this is actually a huge cause for imposter syndrome, even if you get a role. Yeah. And we just want to help them, once again, get rid of the imposter syndrome and in first hand, just get the practical experience. And that's why I love startups. I love seeing people do and build new things. And this is what I experience basically every couple of weeks with side project. I just, you know, I'm a third party now. I'm not involved in their project so much. But basically, this is just a blessing for, for me, for my personality, for what I want in my life, just to see how other people evolve and build stuff. So that's the, the best constellation that I could have ever imagined. And we had our successes, of course. So once again, so side project is, from our perspective, it is a community or marketplace, I would say, for people who want to build side projects. They can find ideas. They can find other people, join teams, and so on and so forth. And from another perspective, it is also kind of a mentorship program where within 12 weeks, people build projects from scratch. And once again, I learned so much from how they build it and what are actually the obstacles of becoming a better team or succeeding building something and so on and so forth. And it is absolutely a new perspective for me because till now I was building something, but I was always a part of it. And now I, I just see it completely different because I can observe other people and it just my learning personally has accelerated. But not only this, I mean, many people provide us great feedback. Many people say that it drastically helped them accelerate their careers. So they got the jobs because they were actually able to talk in the interviews about their real experiences, not about theory that they potentially would execute or solve problems that way. They were actually talking about the stuff that they experienced. So that's why that made for them a huge difference. This is why I, I really want to continue doing it. And uh, what are your plans for side project over the next year? I mean, is it all about scale or is it about quality content? I mean, it's a marketplace, like you say, so I guess some of the content is somewhat outside of your control. But what are your broad plans for side project over the next 12 months? Yeah, I would say we're very early. So basically, I started last year. So it is almost one year old. But you can imagine I'm doing it part-time. So the speed is not fantastic. But once again, I'm grateful for how we're going. I learned a lot from the program. So it's we're now finalizing in the final week of the third cohort. So I have learned a lot from that. And I think now is the time also for me to take a break from the program and basically revise and reflect once again on how we can improve it, how we can make the program so solid that it actually helps to make a change, not only for one group of people, PMs, right, but also for designers and engineers. And this is the major challenge because this is what I'm telling always people who are starting out is you have to focus on one customer group, you know, but in our case, it's complete opposite, you know. So <laughs> the side project kind of lives and stands with this diversity of different talents. So that's why this is definitely something that I learn that hopefully I will know better in the next months. But I want to intentionally take time to reflect on the program and in the meantime to implement the learnings from the program because it was intense 12-week program. So I want to implement the learnings from the program in the community. So for people who are building projects in their own pace and so on. So that's why everything is exciting and 
I was super blessed to find within the side project community also enthusiasts who decided to build side project platform, basically going away from Slack, which is deleting our messages because we're way beyond the the free limit and it's yeah and it's very, very draining and not great. It was great as an MVP, you know. But once again, I think we're ready now to to make the next step. And hopefully in the next month, we're going to launch a side project platform where people can find the projects, can find the talents for their projects, and it will be on a different level. But lots of things to do. And once again, always take time to reflect to, to improve it, basically. So where can people catch up with you after this call if they want to chat more about product management or entrepreneurship or maybe find out a bit more about side project? Yeah, I'm usually fairly active on LinkedIn. So everyone is welcome to contact me directly over there. And otherwise, everyone is welcome to join our Steel Slack community, which is less ideal, but still, this is the place where we meet. So just go to setproject.com and this is where you'll find everything what we're doing currently. Excellent. Well, hopefully a few people will come your way. So that's been a really interesting chat. So obviously really glad that you spent your time and that we finally made it and you could spend some time sharing your story. Obviously wish you all the best for your upcoming life change part two. Uh, But uh, as for now, again, thanks very much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Jason. As ever, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and interesting. If you did, again, I'd love it if you could share it with your friends so they can find it inspiring and interesting too. And you can also pop over to onenightinproduct.com and sign up to the mailing list or join us on LinkedIn if you want to make sure you never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night. <laughs>